Hey friend, and welcome back to the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This is bonus episode four, and I'm really kind of excited about today because I'm going to share a little bit about, I guess, my career journey thus far and some important things that I've learned along the way that I hope will benefit you in some way. Because I don't know about you, I'm a person who always wants to learn new things and that doesn't have to come through schooling or upskilling. It can just come from having a conversation with someone else. And I think that's one thing we kind of take for granted. You can learn so much from just having a chat with someone, which is pretty much the basis of this whole episode. And it's the benefits of having a difficult conversation. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. So for last week's challenge, I set you guys a task to identify one difficult conversation that you need to have, whether it was in your personal life or your career or, you know, reaching out to someone, just something that essentially made you want to die thinking about uh, how awkward that conversation would go or how difficult it would be to do. And the reason why I set that challenge was because at the end of last year, I had a very difficult conversation with my place of work that honestly, like I was spazzing out before having. And the result of that really difficult conversation, not only like lifted a weight off my shoulders, which sounds so cliche to say, but it also led me to some incredible opportunities and in a point of my not only career but I guess life where I've learned a lesson about the power of difficult conversations which I think is really important. One thing I was thinking about uh, when considering what a difficult conversation is and what it can do is the fact that I think It's a sign of, uh, I guess, whatever it means to be an adult or a sign of, I guess, maturity. And because I think we, we put maturity and being an adult as, you know, just having your shit together, whatever that means. And so anyone who is, you know, going off being a bit crazy or silly, it's just saying that they're immature but I don't think that's true. I think you can be a bit of an idiot. I think you can be silly. I think you can have fun in whatever way that is for you. I think a real telling sign of maturity or being an adult is doing something you really, really don't want to do, but you know is really important to do. And I think having difficult conversations is that. And you may agree or disagree with me there. And I know having difficult conversations is something that I'm not very good at. And I would say is one of the reasons it makes me immature um, because I can't have them. I'm slowly trying to learn, but it is something that I really do. But yeah, that was just something I was thinking about when considering that. I wonder what you consider is being a sign of an adult or being a sign of maturity if you do agree that having a difficult conversation 
is one element of that or you just think it's different for each person, which I think could be true as well. I don't know. As I get older, I just, I'm open to more and more possibilities and that I don't think there is one set answer for everything uh, because I think something can always be argued. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to talk about some of the points that Steph touched on in episode four. Not only the story she shared about finding a career she loves, but also some of the advice she has from real experience and that she gives to students and also feedback she gets from the workplace. I think for me, one of the most important things that happened to me really, really early on in my career was I I landed an ambassadorship at Microsoft and the way that happened was I was at O-Week and to get a free fucking keep cup or something, I put my email down on a mailing list. And about a week later, I got this email and it said, do you want to have a free laptop and work for Microsoft and la 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 and all of this stuff? And of course, I opened the email and I read further in about it and it was like, we'll take you to Sydney for training. It just sounded way too good to be true. And at that time, I had finished year 12 with an ATAR of 69, barely scraped in to get to a commerce degree and was working at Coles. So I had no experience to show for myself. And I nearly clicked out to not apply because I thought, well, what's the point in applying? I'm not going to get this. I've got nothing to show for myself. For some reason, I decided to think, fuck it. What do I have to lose? I'm just going to apply for it. So I applied and went through interview process, interview process, interview process, and ended up landing the gig. And it was incredible, not because of the experience I had at Microsoft through this ambassadorship, but the lesson I learned from that was that you shouldn't be the judge of whether you should apply for something or not. Apply for something and let the person on the other end of the application decide whether you're credible enough for it. Because at this point, I think one of the reasons that I got the job was because probably a lot of students did what I did and just thought, well, I've got nothing to show for myself. Why would I apply? And there's this statistic that I've heard recently, and it was that for you ladies in particular that are listening, that women wait till they have 120% of the skills written down on a job description before they apply, whereas men only need 40% of the skills on there and they'll apply for the job. Now, Because I learned this lesson really early on in my career, I was similar to Steph in that I decided I thought I could get a manager job wherever I wanted, (laughs) which isn't true. And a lot of the time you'll send in your application and not get any response. But it just means that you have to try to be able to get something. So anyways, that was just a lesson I learned really early on. I am blown away by how many employees have made judgments on their organizations without trying to address it. The amount of my employees that come into my office on year three, call my bluff finally, 
to address something. I address it in 48 hours, within a month, whatever the issue is. They come back and say, I can't believe you did it. And then give me 31 other things that happened in the first 36 months of their tenure, but they decided to be cynical. They vet with their friends at a beer. They talk about it in the girl's bathroom. They tell their mother, but they never told me or the organization. It is the great shortcoming of employees in our world today. My friends, call the company's bluff. Call the bluff. I mean, if you haven't gone to HR or to the CEO or however your world is structured, well then you have no legs to stand on that the company stinks. If you have and they haven't delivered, vent away. But until you call the bluff, then you're just complaining because you like to complain. If I'm feeling in my job role at the moment as if I'm not progressing, the skills I have maybe don't align with what the role needs and that I'm feeling like I need something more, my work isn't going to know that. They're not going to know that I'm feeling this way and I'm just going to become a really miserable, miserable person to not only work with but to be around because your work can affect not only your work life negatively but also outside of work. After I listened back to the episode while I was editing for about the 10th time, it slowly started to click to me that the advice she was giving actually applied to me. And although it was things that I thought I already knew, sometimes you just need a little reminder or a kick up the butt to say, hey, uh, wake up. You need a do something about this. You can't just sit around and let your life repeat itself over and over and over again. That was when I realized that the role I was in was no longer fulfilling for me. I couldn't see career progression. And not only that, but I was feeling really guilty because some of the tasks that I was doing day to day, well, the majority of things I was doing day to day were not my strengths but it was what the business needed to progress. And those things were a lot of writing and I am a terrible writer. And so for me to come up with writing, you know, content and blog posts to the level that I knew the work needed, it took me a lot longer than what it could someone who was a natural writer And also it just kind of got me feeling really shitty about my work because it would take me so long to do. And then once I did get it to a point where I could submit or have my manager review, there were so, so many edits and I just felt like I was adding more to the plate of my manager, which isn't the idea of what you do when you work for someone. The idea is that you alleviate some of the work they need to do and, you know, help and add value. Whereas in that aspect of my job, I felt like I was adding more and being more of a pain in the ass than any good. And so I decided that Steph's little wake up call meant that I needed to have a pretty tricky conversation with my boss 
And at the time, I thought that that conversation was going to be me saying, look, I'm not the right person for the role. Let's start looking at different options uh, to get me out of this job. I'll find a new job and you can find someone who I think actually would be a great fit for the job. Um, And I'm so bad at resigning or quitting or leaving work. When I had to quit my job at Coles back, back, back in the day, I did it by pretty much being a little shit and just not rocking up to shifts or cancelling my shifts all the time and then pretty much doing it over text to my manager being like, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry, Um, I think it's best I don't work here anymore because I'm such a little bitch. (laughs) Um, Again, a sign of not being mature, not being an adult, Uh, me at 20, fuck, I would have been 21 at the time. So just shows what a shit kid I was. And so I thought that having this conversation was going to lead me to leave the job. And I kind of, after two weeks, built up the courage to go and speak to my manager. And I kind of shut the door behind me and I was like, listen, um, you know, I don't think it's beneficial for myself or the business that I do sit in this role because it doesn't play to my strengths. And I feel like I'm not adding as much value as someone else could be in the same role. And essentially where I thought that conversation was going to go was us figuring out how we could ease me out of the role and ease someone else into the role. And then I would figure out what I wanted to do outside of that. So I did that. And as I was saying that to my boss, he just seemed very shocked and surprised and had no clue what the fuck I was on about. Because obviously everyone's got their own shit to worry about. No one is thinking about you and how you're feeling. And if you're doing one tiny thing that seems off, that that means that you're feeling unhappy somewhere or you're not feeling fulfilled somewhere or, you know, whatever. No one's a fucking mind reader. And we all need to like pull ourselves up on that, you know, especially when we're complaining about a friend or a partner or a work colleague. And they're like, you know, how did they, how do they not know that I'm not feeling this way? You know, like no one gives a fuck, like sort yourself out, tell someone how you're feeling. And then if they don't make a change or if they don't do something about it, then they're shit. You know, you can't complain about someone when you haven't voiced your opinion first or voiced how you're feeling first. Anyway, so when I was in that chat with my boss, I was like, he had kind of like paused and he's like, wow, okay. Um, I had no idea that this was happening. Um, let, let me just have a think of something because I don't want to lose you. I think that you're really great. And there are some real strengths to the work you do. And he was saying, you know, that that may lie in the strategy and the analytic side of business uh, of the work I was doing, which is the work I actually enjoyed doing as well. And he's like, maybe we can utilize some of your skills that you aren't using in this role in a different area of the business and maybe the skills that you say that this role needs, we can outsource to somewhere else. And I was like, oh, right. Um, 
yeah, okay, I never really thought of that. That's cool. Uh, and and as I had that conversation, it kind of gave me flashbacks to the conversations with Steph about her saying that people don't want to lose people. It takes a lot of time and money to hire people. People want you to be happy in the workplace because you'll work harder. And I know that's not true for all workplaces because some people are just assholes, right? Um, But you never know if that's your place of work or not until you do have a conversation. And so he got me to pretty much, he sent me kind of homework before I finished for the year because this conversation had happened at the end of the year and he said write me a list of the things you don't like about your current role and write me a list about the things you do like let's regroup at the start of next year when we're all fresh and back from holidays and let's see what we can do and I was like oh shit Great. So if having a difficult conversation wasn't hard enough, now I've got to pretty much tell my boss what I like and dislike about my role. Cool. That turned out to be fucking hard in itself, to be honest. Um, And I wrote things down like, you know, oh, actually, let me pull the email up. BRB. All right, so I've just scrolled through the archives. That is my email account. And I've pulled up sorry, I've pulled up the email that I wrote and it's so funny because I had probably like three different people go over this email with me, like my sister and one of my best mates. And I kind of crafted this email up and sent it to my boss at the end of the year. And just to summarize the skills uh, at the end, I wrote, To round up my email, I feel my strengths lay in understanding target audience, strategy, analyzing results, engaging with people, social media content, and I specified short form copy, and sales driven marketing. And then the, I didn't say the things I disliked, I phrased it as the areas of work I'm really struggling with at the moment are desk isolation. So essentially, I just felt chained to my desk all day. Content writing, so the long form copy stuff. Approval process, which was a lot of the time because my writing wasn't, I wasn't confident in my writing, which meant it was a longer approval process. Uh, And just approval processes in general is something that I really struggle with because it takes a lot for them to happen. And sometimes they're merited and other times they're just a pain in the ass. And the final area was minimal engagement with others. Essentially the fact that I'm a people person and I was isolated at my desk all day, every day, not really talking to anyone except for a Monday morning meeting. And that didn't happen until a lot later on in my role. So I didn't really have many meetings when I first was in this kind of role. And it was the reason that I jumped into full-time work was to engage with people because I found freelance quite isolating. Had that chat and got back at the end of next year. And again, like I said, I was so grateful that my boss came back to me with this exercise and, you know, showed me that Steph's advice, you know, is legit and she's not just pulling shit out of her ass and, and, 
you know, throwing it at the wall and hoping it sticks. No, she experienced it in her career. She gives the advice to students and now I'm living proof that that's what happens. You know, sometimes you got to voice your opinion. So regrouped next year and my boss like called me into his office and he's like, look, uh, one of the projects you've been working on, you're super familiar with. I spoke to the bigger boss and, and he kind of said, what if you took on the marketing for that project as well? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, cool. That sounds good. New team, I get to chat with new people. We split up my days in two parts because I found that sometimes I wouldn't have enough work to keep me going. Now I was going to be jam-packed with work, get to speak to people, engage with new people, a totally new project. And then he also said, for the long-form copy, let's outsource that. Let's find a content writer. Let's find someone that can do that work for you. So I was like, oh, shit, yeah, Um that sounds great as well. That seems to work. Let's do that. And so we did. And I jumped on this new project. It was really exciting because it was brand new. I got to take over the whole thing, build a strategy from start to end. They had an event uh, overseas in Canada that I got to actually go on my first overseas business trip which was so crazy exciting for me. I learned again about a totally new industry. I got to always have my time filled with things and I actually saw progression in my career, which just made me a happier person. And again, that relayed in a lot of my outside life, not just uh, my work life. And that all came about from one difficult conversation. Crazy, right? It's actually mental how one thing can change, I guess, the trajectory of your career. Because in the past six months, this happened at the start of this year, and I know it's September now, but I'm going to say this in the past six months because... There'll be some more info that comes into what happened in the last two months of my life. But in the past six months, I've just been on a crazy career journey. And one of those things was, you know, this difficult conversation and juggling these two companies and and their digital marketing strategies. But also because the relationship I built with Steph At the end of it, I kind of also reached out to her and said, look, I'm about to have a pretty tricky conversation with my work. I'm looking for work elsewhere. If there's any way you have any one roles available at General Assembly, I'd love to the opportunity to apply for them. Two, if you're looking for someone to volunteer or help out with chats or bring into classes to talk, I'd love to be a part of that. doesn't have to be paid. Or if there's any way we can stay connected or I can be involved, um, I would love to. Please let me know. And so Steph had put me in touch with someone at General Assembly that runs a lot of the digital marketing classes. And at the end of it, at the end of the interview process, and, you know, I obviously did some teaching samples and things. 
that relationship and that connection and that, you know, pretty tricky email to send out. I know it sounds silly that an email can be difficult to send out, but it was. I, as much as I read over the email that I had sent to my boss, I read over this email that I was sending out to Steph, like, holy shit, how do I tell her that I'd love to get involved with the company in any way I can and not fuck it up for myself? And so, yeah, I also in the past six months have been teaching an intro to digital marketing class at General Assembly, which has been one of my favorite, favorite things to do. I love it so much. I love the feedback I get. I love the questions and the engagement with students. I love sharing my experience and hoping that people learn something from that and then also learning from students that I teach. Not only that, but I've done uh, digital marketing career sessions. So telling people about what jobs are in demand within digital marketing and how the best way for you to go about getting experience and getting a job, which was an amazing session as well. And recently I was part of my first ever panel, which is really exciting for me because I love going to networking events, as you guys learned in episode three. And it's crazy that I ended up being one of those panelists that someone attended a networking event to. And just like a huge 360 in my career over the past six months and just in my life and all of the things that I've been learning from the people I've spoken to through the podcast and the skills I've learned again through the podcast and just advice and knowledge and just everything that's come together has led me to where I am today And I'm so like grateful for it. And I feel like I'm being a soppy mole right now. But the, the reason I wanted this episode to go out like this and be a little bit raw and maybe a bit all over the place is because it is just the story of how things happened and how a tiny conversation, a tiny email, a tiny networking event, a small challenge that I set myself have led to some huge, huge changes in my life. And it's just reminded me to keep going and not stopping. And I'm so excited to record an episode in a couple of weeks to let you guys know the next step in my career that I'm taking. Uh, Because it's kind of a major and yeah, I'm really, really fucking excited about it. And the podcast is going to take a little bit of a turn because of it uh, in the best way. It's really exciting where it's going to go. But I hope that uh, that kind of story just lets you guys, encourages you guys to try one thing that I say, you know, try one of the challenges, try finding out about yourself a little bit more or just do the difficult conversation challenge for this week. 
So last week, the challenge was to identify one difficult conversation you need to have. And I just wanted one. Like, I know there's probably 5,000 difficult conversations you need to have. I know for me now, there's 5,000 difficult conversations I probably still need to have and I won't have because I'm a little bitch. But it's about tackling things one thing at a time. And whether you decide to do it in your personal life or your career or wherever it is, or if it's sending out a tricky email like I did to Steph, you know, to reach out and do that. But essentially now that you've identified that difficult conversation, it's to set up some time and actually have it. So it's all well and good to identify something and then freak out about how you're going to tackle the conversation. Obviously, the most important part is to have the conversation. And so I've got a couple of tips for you on how to go about having a difficult conversation with someone and also some of the things to keep in mind when you are having a conversation that, you know, you're going to stress out about or that's going to be really hard for you to have. Uh, And I guess the first piece of advice is it's never going to go the way you think it is, Um, whether that's in a good way or a bad way or in a, I don't know, crazy way. Uh, Things never happen the way we expect. And that's just life because you can control what you do sometimes, but you can't control someone else's reaction. So to be okay with that and, you know, to not freak out when you're stumped with something you didn't expect, whether it's for the better or for the worse. Uh, The second piece of advice is to get yourself a cheerleader. And what I mean by that is tell a mate, tell someone that isn't kind of in the situation or isn't the person that you're going to have this difficult conversation with and talk through it with them. I had done this with my sister, two of my best mates. Um, I'd spoken through it with like my mum and dad. I spoke through before I had this conversation with my boss with a few different people and they all had kind of different advice for me. And it's important to be open to that advice, but to take it all with a pinch of salt and essentially go with your gut in the end. But just to have someone that hold you accountable to actually have that conversation and can maybe even do some practice conversations with you. So that would be my second tip. My third tip would be book in time. Don't wait for the right moment because there is never going to be a right moment. If it's someone in your personal life, go and organize a coffee date with them go and, you know, if you live with them, organize a dinner where it's just you and them and it's an environment when you are able to and send them a message to say, look, I need to chat to you about something. And I know that's a really annoying message to receive and have, but it holds you accountable to do it because it's going to drive this person crazy that you've sent them that message. And even if you do pussy out, (laughs) and you don't want to have that conversation, they're going to nag you so much about what did you mean? What did you mean? I want to know. I need to know this, that you're going to end up having to say it anyway. So 
book in time. If it's with your workplace, send a calendar invite to your boss, your manager or another colleague to say, you know, I need 30 minutes a meeting um, or I need to go out to lunch with you and, and just have a quick chat. And again, the same thing will happen. They'll be so curious. They'll need to know. um, And you've booked in some time. So there is no excuses for it. So that would definitely be my third piece of advice. And my final piece of advice would be when you're in the conversation, to make sure that you are open to listening to their side of the situation just as much as you would hope they would be open to listening to your side. Even if the person is super defensive and, you know, the conversation goes horribly wrong, always continue to be open and willing with them because at least then for yourself, you know you've done everything in your power to make things work whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in a friendship or in a relationship, you've done everything in your power. So you're never going to beat yourself up about what could have been or what would have been, you know, at least there, you know, you've done everything. It was in their hands. They didn't oblige or both of you just could not see eye to eye. And that's okay. Shit happens. Uh, Not every situation is supposed to be the right situation for us, then you can start looking for your exit strategy or start moving on to the next thing that will be the right situation for you. From what you learnt from that workplace or that relationship that didn't work for you, you can then going into the next one, use that as criteria to evaluate whether that next place is going to be fit for you or not. Wow, I feel like I've just like I'm trying to be like a counselor, like, like, and this is what you should do with your life. No, I'm honestly just sharing my experience. I mean, take it on or don't. Uh, it doesn't affect me in any way. I'm just letting you guys know the benefit that it's had on my life. And the reason that I want to share it is because I just want everyone to experience the same shit. Like I want you to not feel the way I did for so many years, just shit, not knowing where I wanted to be, stressing out about nothing. Like it's shit to be in that situation. It just sucks. And if there are things that I've learned along my way that I can share and help someone else not feel like that, then I want to do that. Whether that makes me a wanker or conceited or not, whatever, you can be the judge of that. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. So have a difficult conversation. It's so important. It'll just make you feel a thousand times better. I think that's enough of me rambling, uh, in today's episode. Um, I'm not sure. I think the bonus episodes are definitely for particular types of people. Like I said, that's why I've structured them in main episodes and bonus episodes because I think they're probably not for everyone but if you are listening to it and you do enjoy them let me know what you like and dislike about the episodes I love hearing your feedback I appreciate each and every one of you for listening that is the end of bonus episode four I'm so excited for the rest of the season of this podcast because 
I've just got some really, really exciting news to share soon. So thank you so much for listening. You know, the usual thing, subscribe to the podcast if you like it, share it with a friend. That's the best thing you can do or recommend it to someone. I love old school things. Word of mouth is great. And that's how I find all of my best podcast recommendations is if someone actually lets me know about it. So if you did enjoy it, let someone know. If you want to message me, you can get in touch on the website, The Millennial Crisis, or DM me on Instagram, Demi Kotsouris. I love connecting with you guys and hearing about how challenges have impacted your life. That's my favorite thing to talk about, Um, but also just feedback on the episodes or what you're up to. I think that's cool. And don't also don't be afraid if you think you have a cool story or an experience to send me a message and say, hey, Dem, I'd love to hear a conversation about this and I'd also love to be a part of it. I'm not, I'm always looking for new people to interview and I'm open to interviewing lots of different kinds of people. So please hit me up and let me know. That's all for bonus episode four. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you guys next Monday.